Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by another Dudley Boy, Michael Havler from What Culture, to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. No Michael Sidge week with us today. Get well soon to Sidge. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Uh, where we do daily wrestling podcasts. Where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews. Nearly a pop filter. Round table discussions and a roundup of the week complete. A quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet to review last night's Dynamite. What did you make of the show? Oh! Um, I'm not one to uh, uh, labour on small attendances and these low numbers that are reported for these AWTV tapings if... The crowds are hot. If the um, action is like the in-ring action is really strong, or the storyline developments are great, unfortunately, this was now about it was like, a combination of the two, wasn't it? Yeah, this was big shows in with small attendances, or you could have not great shows but with huge attendances that people enjoy what they enjoy. It was kind of a, the worst of both worlds. This is it. Like you can get loud like one to two thousand seat yeah. venues. You can. Um, you know, I understand that this was one of those venues where like the upper balls tarped off some maybe like and I've been in those buildings where it, you realize suddenly you've got to summon the atmosphere for a building that is twice the size of the number of people in there so that from a fan point of view it's quite difficult from a wrestler point of view when you're getting not a lot from the fans and it was just I don't want to lead on this massive negative because I thought there was some like all right stuff on yeah. this but it was the overwhelming feeling coming out of the show on multiple occasions that wrestlers were um, working to an audience that they were having to imagine. You know, the other day on one of, I think it was, I had a feeling it was during our SmackDown coverage oh, cool. where I was describing to you the phenomenon uh, of when I was at school of invisible rounders. Yes. Where, well, that's the game. <laughs> You're playing scabby old rounders and you don't even have the equipment. So somebody pretends to throw the ball, imaginary. You pretend to hit it, imaginary. They go... Call it. <laughs> and then you go, no, you didn't, because I hit all the way over there. And, like, nobody wins. But, like, in your imagination, it's just gone exactly as you yeah. imagine it to. I think certain wrestlers wrestled to how they imagined a response would be. That's so there's fair. one promo specifically that the wrestler in question would have imagined, well, massive pop, big moment, let's go. They can use us for the footage for the advert next week. Like, I imagine he never wants to speak of it again. No. Quite honestly, it was, like, it was one of those nights. Um, I And maybe I'm going to... 
the Sidgwick mega fans will forgive me for this oh. because uh, my esteemed colleague made a great point on X this morning, which was maybe if there was a week for a dynamite like this, it was this week. Yeah. Like he wasn't even calling the show bad. So I definitely don't want to misrepresent his point on this. Uh, just not. Like the weakest of 2024 in what has otherwise been a pretty good year. That's fair, yeah. But think about the news that broke early this week. Think about the show that people are hyped for on a Saturday. Some weeks, it's just not your week. Yeah, And this fair. was definitely one. Um, the show opened anyway with him. I was being welcomed, as always, by Excalibur and Tony and Taz. Um, but here comes the world champion, Samoa Joe, um, who comes down to the ring. Talk. They talk about, obviously, how Hook pushed him to his limit last week. And he says, I stand before you, the undeniable AW world champion. No longer will title opportunities be given. Instead, they will be earned. Obviously, sort of referencing the the, the um, return of rankings. Anyone who or anyone who earns a title match will suffer the same fate as Hook last week. Choked unconscious with everything taken from them. Then the bat symbol lights up, and you hear Hook's music, and he storms down to the ring. Um, man, a few words, Hook. Mm. Last week I lost, and you won. Uh, and he shook Joe's hand, pulled him in, and I think the audience kind of missed this, but we could hear it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Said, I don't know when, I don't know where, but I will see you again. Uh, and Joe said, well, yeah, good luck with that. But you're back of the line now, security, get him out of there. And I thought, I wonder why they've done this. And then it was so Hook could hit all of his moves on three people that we may well see on uh, smaller indie promotions in the coming weeks. And Joe going to commentary and like sort of being all harassed and going, God, a real loser must have raised that kid. Going, right <laughs> like a nice bit. That, yeah. Like proper AW, that, yeah. to be fair. Um, I really like this, you know. This was um, very economical and showed you a lot without having to tell you. This was a way for AW to explain not only the rankings back, but they're going to immediately factor into the, the title. Yes. Um, as we get later on with the Joe's biggest challenges. And... One of my biggest fears last week when I thought Hook and Joe was a really great bit of business was that they would kind of AEW it and Hook just yes. wouldn't appear. Either he wouldn't appear on television or it'd be one of them backstage vignettes and then off he goes to like Rampage Dimension to start <laughs> stacking his wins up again. This was the total opposite. This is what you want. Remember when MJF defeated Ricky Starks and it was a very different feeling in AEW when we said, man, in a year's time, could Starks be yeah. going to beat him? They used to book title matches where you didn't mind the, the loser losing because you believed it was like one long way around them getting a rematch. That's what they told you with Hook here. I like the fact as well that Joe stuck around on commentary for the opening match. It was Hangman Page versus Penta El Zero Miedo um, early on. Excalibur's running down the car for the night, and Joe's like, shut up, I want to hear Penta chopping him. <laughs> I, enjoy, I enjoyed that. Um, heavy hitting affair early on. They're trading clotheslines and super kicks. Uh, double clothesline puts them both down for picture-in-picture, picture, uh, during which um, they fight outside right in front of Joe. Um, Paige is just staring him down. We come back. Penta dodges a dive from Paige, hits a somersault dive to the floor. He wants the double stomp, uh, but was uh, rolled through into a Death Valley driver by Paige for two. Um, the punch is in the corner. Paige bites Penta. He comes back with multiple thrust kicks and a spilling, spinning Death Valley driver of his own for a near fall. Paige eventually sends Penta back inside after they fight on the floor. Goes for the bookshot. Uh, Penta counters into a Made in Japan for a nice two count. He wants a spinning destroyer on the apron. Page reverses into a dead eye, followed by a moonsault on the floor. Penta ducks a buckshot back inside, but Page hits him with just a standard lariat and then does a proper buckshot to take his head off and get the one, two, three. I'm going to go long on this specific match because I feel like the... It's not a complaint I've got, but the feeling I had is going to apply to a lot of the in-ring on this show. It is a long road back for AEW to make matches like this feel as special as they once did. This was 
Like this was better than competent. Oh, this yeah. was really well worked. And with Paige especially, just in the kind of, not just the form he's in in ring, but in the feeling that you've got around him chasing the title again, getting the bit between his teeth, I mean, literally at one point in this match. <laughs> um, there is a, a verve to Hangman Page's work that stands out from a lot of other Wrestler A versus Wrestler B matches in AEW, and that's great. However, and it's a big however for the time being, to go back to the point about the quiet crowd, the cold-feeling product at large, yeah. the rankings being back but not quite yet, like, yeah. deeply embedded with the product, it was just a little tough... And look, I, this is me saying this, but I feel like most people in the building felt the same. It was just a little tough to let yourself submit to it. Nothing in this match, there was not one move, not one moment, where this took me from, oh, well, I know Hangman Page is obviously going to win, but Jesus Christ, what the hell was that? Yeah. Not once. Not once. They're not... Uh, Even though they're hitting, like, dead eyes on the yeah, apron. Yeah, and, and stuff. that's it's worse when that's happening. That's, I think, like, it's matches like this, more so than, and I know, like, people that don't even watch Raw would just assume that these things take place to, like, funeral atmospheres or something where they're just exchanging headlocks and then waiting for Raw to roll on. <laughs> but it's almost worse when the wrestlers are knocking out some of the best stuff or some of the bumps are particularly sickening yeah. because when you're not feeling it, then, it, like, all of it feels wasted. And AW's in-ring does skew better than WWE still yeah. from a move-by-move move mindset, but not from a feeling one, I don't think. But like, I'm sure there's going to be people to listen to disagree and probably like wish Sidgwick was here to disagree like to my face. But I just, I don't think, I would be wary that about how much you feel the power is back across the product, even if you're seeing little Very pockets of it. tentative, isn't it? It is, it really is. And I think, like, Hangman versus Page was the best example of it because here are two very, very established stars. One that you, you know, at the moment is on course Hangman to get... Hangman versus Penta, sorry. Sorry, Penta. Yeah. On course to getting a title shot. Um, Penta is this established hand that gives you at least one squeal spot a week. <laughs> and you're getting neither yeah. from either. Not bad. Like, I, I'd, I couldn't sit here and say it wasn't good because it was. Yeah. But I just... Just what nothing was a week for it. Like later on, I'm jumping ahead. Sorry, I, I've got the same to say about Swerve, or I would if the fans weren't going mad for Jeff Hardy. Yeah, and that felt like an ice. That didn't feel like they were connected to the weekly. That they just felt like the people in Savannah were just buzzed to see Jeff Hardy. Yeah, and that's separated from AEW's weekly. Uh, Orange Cassidy's backstage with Renee. Um, get asked his thoughts about Roderick Strong, obviously facing him at Revolution. He said, "Yeah, it's fine. Six weeks away though. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to keep wrestling." I've asked uh, the boss to get my friends and my enemies, pop them together in a match on Rampage, and then we'll get a title shot on Collision. Um, and then he just sort of stands awkwardly there. And uh, <laughs> Renee's like, Trent's facing Wardlow next. You seen him? Yeah. A lot of meat. <laughs> yeah. A um, couple of th Orange Cassidy, C could he lose the title before Strong and have they tried to like book this to subvert your expectations? Book it so far out that you think, oh. Maybe. What are we doing then with Orange Cassidy? And it turns out he loses the belt and Strong now has a, a completely different challenge to have to overcome to bring the belt into the Undisputed Kingdom. Or did Orange Cassidy first save friends and enemies because it turns out that it's going to be Trent that takes the belt in a bit of a twist before Revolution? Like, I, otherwise, I otherwise, I don't care. Like, otherwise, I don't care. Orange Cassidy versus Roderick Strong was shown to me. I thought, quite like that. Like, Strong needs to win this match. Orange yeah. Cassidy needs to retain the belt. And then you're throwing these... Like matches for matches' sake, on route to the show. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because yeah. people sort of went, "Okay, we well, were announcing it six weeks out, so that's both of them, you know, fighting, mm -hmm. you know, people that strong foot fights, people that you can just beat easily yeah. on collision or whatever." Orange Cassidy versus like Taven or Bennett in a singles yeah. or something. Yeah, 
but I like, couldn't this, but... Well, so, like, uh, you know, uh, I'm talking about... Always not well with the best friends, obviously. We'll get to that later. Well, indeed. Um, <laughs> the Young Bucks arrive backstage. <laughs> they've got the bit facial hair. Uh, they've got the flashy suits. Um, they get handed a rundown for the show. and They're pricks. Uh, Alex Marvez walks up and uh, asks them about what happened last week with their interview and what have you. Uh, what's their first plan of action as executives? Uh, and they say, first of all, you can show us a bit of respect using our passport names, Nicholas and Matthew Jackson. Uh, we're the last two surviving EVPs. Backstage morale is through the roof, and catering also is a big hit. Uh, our job is to make things run smoothly, and then they, they're carrying on walking. Um, and they bump to top flight, and they're like, what are you guys just doing here? You just arrived or something? Dante and Darius say, we've been here since one. And uh, they're like, why aren't you in your gear then? Uh, and uh, where's your credentials? And uh, Nicholas says, hey, next time, be a fine. <laughs> Fist bump. Matthews is like, you're killing it. And then he comments put over that the works might be hypocrites. I get the bit, right? Um, fair question from the Young Bucks. Why were Top Flight kicking around from one o'clock and or in the game? They didn't wrestle. Did they work Rampage? Well, I don't know. Like, like otherwise, like reasonable question. Where are your credentials? You're not on either card. Like, is this good? I don't know. It's one of those where the real dedicated AW fans are like, you can see what they're doing here. If, yeah, because they're telling you what they're doing. Yeah. So, you say real dedicated, you mean twatty engagement accounts. <laughs> like, it's not some sort of, like, QR code mystery thing like they were teasing for Bray Wyatt last year or for some sort of, like, when you've really got to, like, it's, it's, it's about as hard to decode as Chris Jericho asking you to break the code, yes. quite honestly. I, I don't know. I didn't like, need is them this... being cut to with the headsets on when it was right. Sting and Derby. Just the, the whole thing. I, like, I get it. They're EVPs. I quite like the idea of Kenny Omega recovering and then V-Trigger and the both of them. Like, yeah. the, the, you're not the only surviving VPs. Like, is it not a bit... I get like I get the joke. You're mentioning catering, you're mentioning fines, you're mentioning backstage etiquette and stuff. Like, is this not a bit Chris Jericho mocking sports entertainment? Arguably, yeah. Like, is that we know that like WWE has slash had these quite stringent policies, and now the young books are getting to play that role because we're taking it seriously. And all. I just, I don't know. I didn't. I, not I didn't. Right now, I didn't laugh. No. And it's supposed to, you know, it's supposed to be sort of a bit tongue in cheek in that the match with. You know, I like I don't mind like we've fantasy booked two different ways that you get to Sting and Derby versus the Young Bucks at Reveille. It's obviously the match. It's a really cool match. The match will hundred percent deliver on the night. I the jury's out on these characters for me, but I'm patient. Like I just think there's better gags than than what we got here. Yeah, there's there's, there's, there's more. There should be more breadth to this. I can see. Yeah, like I say, I can see what they're doing, but. As Sage often says, it is not a. <laughs> no, it's. Yeah, yeah, got it. Yep. Matthew, I think the Matthew and Nicholas thing winds me up a little bit. To be honest, I think that's like I think there's something that is that it's that old Vince thing of uh, long names are for baddies, short names are for goodies. Yeah, the old American hero, Steve or Stephen. Like it's Steve Austin is a goodie, Stephen Richards is a baddie. It's like the sort of Father Ted show when Dougal wants small and what's far away. <laughs> Aye. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's one of those where I'm excited to see the match, obviously, mm-hmm. and I I'm, I'm, I'm much prefer this version of the Young Bucks than good guys. I just think right now I'll prefer Braun and Nicholas to Matthew and Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> then it was time for Wardlow. And I prefer Adam and Nicholas to both. 
against Trent Beretta. Trent got a lot of... I mean, I know they sort of sold this as, oh, well, Wardlow's been away for a while, obviously, yeah. or he's had his mind on other things with uh, the Undisputed Kingdom. But I thought, oh, it's going to be straightforward. Like, like we sort of said, he's going to run through Orange Cassidy's mates and then be like, now you're just going to be on your own and you're going to face Strong. Mm. So he sort of batters him early, hits him with a shoulder tackle, big F10. He wants a power bomb. Beretta's already in trouble, though. He's, he's in a heap on the floor. And then Beretta gets a small package out of nowhere for a two. And then low bridges Wardlow to the floor and hits some baseball slides. And then he gets slingshotted, uh, sorry, he gets swatted out of the air from a slingshot dive attempt. Um, but it, yeah, it, it took a lot longer because then Wardlow uh, sees Beretta amount of comeback, dodges a roundhouse lariat. Beretta hits a big knee. Wardlow spills to the outside. Uh, I thought for a split second, oh, they're just going to do a DQ then, because Brett had grabbed a chair and just twatted him with it. Yeah. And I thought, Ring the bell. <laughs> that's that then. <laughs> but apparently the referee had been uh, taken away arguing with the Undisputed Kingdom. Brett hit a DDT back inside and a pile driver for two. He wanted a crossbody, uh, but Wardlow caught him in midair and hit a spinning power slam. That was great to see. Um, put him on the top rope and he just let him drop and then hit him with that knee lift um, before he hit a, well, basically a last ride. For the one, two, three. Wardlow wants to kill him more afterwards, but Adam Cole calls off the war dog, uh, and Beretta shoves away Orange Cassidy from helping him up because he's frustrated. I don't like to criticise ambition, but this was over-ambitious. Um, they were trying to tell the story of Trent being almost good enough to get it done because you have to... Trent can't get squashed like a bug and then push back on the best friends. Yes. He's got no credibility in the argument, then, has he? Like, so I understand that you have to make him look... Like, I would have had him. Like, he's holding me back. Look look what I could be if I wasn't with you guys. We've seen this, you know, the um, what we assume to be an impending estrangement between Trent and the best friends. And, like, we tracked this through the pre-show battle royal they had where he turned on Danhausen, was it? Yes. I'm yeah, sure. I thought they might have dropped it, but obviously it's still ongoing. I think Orange Cassidy, like, the instruction is he should be looking over his shoulder about what Trent might do um, to get this, like, like, he's kind of coming to the end of his career, and is he going to see this as a bit of a one last run? And can he do it? And I think there's a story there. Yeah. Like, but I just thought this was when you're trying to do all that, and then you're also trying to reestablish Wardlow as Adam Cole and the Inspector King as monster, like, find other people to yeah. do these things with. Um, like, you're not short of monsters in AEW. Powerhouse Hobbs would have fit this just as well. You could have even put the John Callis family in the exact yeah. spot the Inspector Kingdom were in. Meanwhile, Wardlow, as good as kills a guy, and Adam Cole's rubbing his hands to go together saying, this was a perfect plan, I've yeah. not put a foot wrong, all that sort of stuff. I, I don't think putting them together was the right move here. Um, like, I, I don't know. I really don't want to seem like I'm in a bad mood on this Dynamite at all, but like the crowd weren't responding to it either. It didn't help. Like, I I can't hear out of this side this week, <laughs> right? So, like, I'm watching and I'm trying to... Like, make sure that, like, is it just, is it just like, because I can't hear anything, that I can't hear a crowd? They're just not coming up for it. Yeah. And I think that was part of it. They're not, they want to receive Wardlow as the monster, who used to get these massive pops for all the ass kicking he did. There's a deep-rooted love for Trent amongst the AEW hardcores. And neither of those emotions were allowed to flood out Yeah, this match was agented. A bit of a miss, I think. Uh, we get the face-to-face, as previously advertised, between the number one contender, Diona Perrazzo, and timeless Tony Storm. Um... It's shot, so when the camera's just on Tony, it's black and white. When the camera's on uh, Deanna, it's colour. And then when it's on both, it's like a split down the middle. It's looked awesome. Wow. Right, it's you know, black and white on, on Tony's side, obviously. Um, 
So Paquette uh, tries to ask Dionna a question to start, but Tony Storm interrupts and says, I'll talk first. I've got a massage booked at 11. <laughs> she says, I recently believe you were uh, body shamed, which is ridiculous because there's so much more to shame about you. Um, I know we have a history, but that doesn't mean our past friendship allows you to just waltz in and get a title shot. You might be the best technical wrestler in the world, but if you step in the ring with me, I'll twist your lips so hard you'll need an epidural. Very good. Very vulgar. Very good. <laughs> Diana, as the rest of us are probably thinking, says, this is insane. <laughs> uh, I didn't come to AW to make friends. I came to become AW Women's Champion. I've got no problem earning a title shot, um, but this version of Tony Storm isn't who I want to wrestle. Not this sham. The story. Mo- I-, I want the Storm who moved from Japan, lived and lived at her house. Uh, the best in the world, basically. Please find that version of yourself. And if you can't, why not just take a look at your ankle? And they reveal that they both have the same tattoos. Um, you might have the whole world fooled, says Diana, uh, but not me. Storm fires back, saying she she can take a tattoo and blow it right out of her bum hole. And then they exchange uh, shoes, yeah. throw well, Hoy shoes at each other. Uh, Mariah May has to save Storm and run away, <sighs> whilst uh, Perazzo nails Luther with a big kick. And uh, as everyone else bails, she realizes the title's there. Diana holds it up as possibly a sign of things to come. Best thing on the show. Best thing on the show. Uh, I, I couldn't really have wanted any more than what we got here. I love the aesthetic of it. That, like when you got the wide shot and you saw the split, like really, really impressive production. I'm like a novice to all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So maybe I'm easily pleased, but like aesthetics are really important to me in wrestling and this was a really stunning aesthetic. Dare I say it, because certainly this has gone enough the other way around. Tony Khan, copying a bit of the game Triple H's homework here. Oh. What have I been raving over on Raw reviews especially? Find me a link. Find me a link. And when Diana Prazzo first mentioned that, and I like I put this over last week, when she mentioned that, uh, I, I don't know what's going on with you, Tony Stone, because I know you. Yes. I just don't know this. That was what that character desperately needed to be pulled back into reality. Tony Storm is more than entitled to think that she is this fallen, faded, glamour film star, but other people aren't required to think that. Diana Parazzo, or for that matter, anyone that's worked with Tony Storm should think, what the frig is happening? That's what they should be thinking. What the hell has happened to you? And Diana Parazzo being the one to pull her back to reality, literally in this case, she was pulling her over into the colour side. Yes. Like, was absolutely perfect. Um, The fact that she's got all this um, momentum behind her and that she's like a a strong technical wrestler with a background that makes her believe that she can beat Tony for the title, makes all of this feel infinitely credible, and then you land on something like the ankle tattoos. It's one thing to say, I know who you are, we work together, we've got this past together. It's another to be like, we're bonded. Yes. Like, we are bonded. We sort of put this on our skin to say that we'd be like, you know, it's a blood brothers thing, a blood sister thing, that we're going to be linked together forever. Yeah. And then you go and become this. I can't abide it. I'm going to take your title and I'm going to snap you out of this. I am so in yeah. on Deanna Prazzo versus Tony Storm. It's the best story they've told around the women's world title in ages. Um, I don't even think, we were talking about this in the preview, I don't even think that they're necessarily, it's revolution probably, but I'd love to see a hurdle put in Prazzo's path because it seems so full steam ahead at this point. that It's almost just as exciting to have Prazzo maybe, not fall, I don't want it to lose, but have Mariah May say something like, like, I don't want to be the understudy. I, don't want, I want to be the star. Let me take this. Yeah. And then you get that match first. So you got one, mate. you got uh, Ty Val- uh, Valkyrie, of course. Val- like, Ty Valkyrie and Deanna Prazzo. There's a lot of law there between yeah. the two of them. I have no doubt that match will deliver. Um, I'd love this. This is 
This, for me, was the strongest segment on the show, but I think it's one of the better stories they're currently telling as well. They've taken the character that a lot of people, begrudgingly, in some cases, in Timeless Tony Storm, had to accept, aye, she's a really big deal and this is working, and have finally landed on the storyline and the match that seems like it's going to get the best out of the character. Yeah. Love it. But you, well, you mentioned Ty Valkyrie there. I'll just cover a thing off. I know it came after mm. the John Moxley thing, but I'll mention it now. There's Tyre and Johnny TV. They reintroduced themselves as the most TV-ready couple in AEW. Uh, Tyre's not happy that Deanna Proxo is trying to cut in front of the line. Uh, Johnny says, no butts, no cuts, no coconuts. Oh, I enjoyed that. Uh, two promos from people called John M on this show. This was the better one. <laughs> Valkyrie challenge for uh, for a match on Dynamite next week. Yeah, like, hey, hey, oh, oh, it's Tyre and Morrison. <laughs> no, it was nonsense, wasn't it? Like, but, uh, <laughs> they're, they're, oh, they necked on at the end, I should yeah, mention. That. It was nonsense, but like John Morrison's got a job, so I guess we have to do segments with him in. Come home. I don't like you, but come home. <laughs> Miss will look after you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. John Moxley's backstage. This is pretty good. I've been a, I said it to be a twat. This is pretty good. <laughs> Uh, he says the Blackpool Combat Club have uh, won a lot of matches and titles since forming. He can't even keep count. Um, but the fact the amount of victory parties they've had, zero. Kel surprise. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm busy that night. Wait a minute, the BCC don't have fun. What? <laughs> they don't have time. Spend time even, Hamlet. Pat themselves or each other on the back. Let me guess, they're practicing wrestling. There's always threats around the corner. Uh, that's what it takes to be the best, to be the elite. Um Something people who've come to AW have failed to realize in 2024, Moxley's going to pulverize and torture anyone who can't get with the program and keep up with him in the ring. Uh, he said this Friday he'll cut his heart out and bleed if he has to for the fans. It'd be a rarity. Um, to see the best wrestling in the world. 
He'll do it every single time he's facing Lee Moriarty on Rampage. I'll say this for John Moxley and indeed the uh, the Blackpool Combat Club, uh, the vibe. He's definitely still the John Moxley that could have been asked, like, at a minute's notice to knock a promo yes. this standard out and just do it. There was no... Obviously, he's promoting his match with Moriarty, but there was clearly something bigger at play here, but he wasn't allowed to give you any more details. Like, my head immediately went to Will Ospreay or Kazuchi Okada. Like, this idea that... AW remains a place where wrestlers come to test themselves against the best. Well, I'm the best. So if you're going to come here to test yourself, you're going to have to come through me. You know, like I, the, like you kind of, you put punk in the ground with that, like, what was it? Weak body. Yeah. Like fragile mind, all that sort of stuff. Like if John Moxley is going to continue to present. Yeah, I mean, look at him now. Well, that's it. He never came back from it, did he? Never kicked out. Like John Moxley, bless him. Still drawing like nearly 2000 people. He's just going to rage. Um, no, like, but that's John Moxley's role, right? In yes. KFA, yeah, yeah. that's he's kind of like he's the gatekeeper of all that is AEW. Um, you can learn about the fantastic rise of John Moxley. You probably would could do with learning. Like, I've heard you say some things about John Moxley, right? I'm his biggest fan. You said some things about John Moxley on this podcast before, and I think you could do with reading a book. What's that? that? Well, before I tell you about the book, I've got a couple of questions to ask you. Okay. Do you like words? I'm a big fan of words. I know the best words. You know all the best words? Yeah. How many words? It's Donald Trump quote that, by the Is way. Is it? He actually said I'm that. I'm a big fan of words. I know the best words. <laughs> <laughs> Donald <laughs> and Trump. Biggest word in that sentence is the word words. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love words. Yeah. Spe- spe- specifically. You need to learn that word. 120,000. So you know more than Donald Trump? Yeah. Well, have I got the book for you? Oh, no! What? Where'd you live? I've moved recently. I knew this. I'm glad I asked. I used to live in parts unknown, uh-huh. but now I live in the world. <sighs> oh, good news, because if I got the book for you... What's that? It's uh, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW, as written by Michael Sidgwick. It's 120,000 passionate insightful words about the rise of All Elite Wrestling, featuring, including, uh, not just including, John Moxley, The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, all the people that made AEW as great as it is, uh, and none of the people that kind of let it go to f***ing sh- so get that book because really there were some phenomenal times and Sidgwick documented every single one of them. Good sell. I, uh, Okada versus Osprey or uh, uh, Okada. John Moxley. Uh, oh, i got a sty I can't hear and our <laughs> tech doesn't work today. It's been a hard day. i got to pick my kids up in a bit. Nothing's going right. Um, <laughs> Okada's going to NXT, mate. So yeah. Osprey. Moxley versus Osprey. It'll be really, really good. I'll tell you what else was really good. Jeff Hardy versus Swerve Strickland. I take it back because I think many of us thought that Jeff Hardy was just going to kind of coast here. But uh, a fun match with him and Swerve. Uh, The fans, as you say, were actually into this. Mm -hmm. Um, Strickland tries to get this over and done with with a series of pin attempts straight away. And Hardy's like, oh, wait a second. Just take this chain off. Gives it to his brother and then tries to pin him with a handful of tights. And Strickland's like, oh, we're both cheating, are we? (laughs) Um... Hits Hardy with a backbreaker. Matt runs distraction. That allows uh, Jeff to take back over. Um, Hardy eventually ends up on the apron. Swerve sweeps the leg and hits a slingshot double stomp. He sets Hardy up on a chair outside. Does the little Hardy dance, but he took too long. Hardy sweeps his legs uh, and hits a flying leg drop off the ring steps against the barrier. They spill into the front row um, to take us to a break. Strickland gains control whilst this is happening, uh, and when we come back, they're fighting in the corner. Uh, Hardy has to hit a whisper in the wind for a double down. He goes to the ropes. 
Strickland shoves him to the apron, sends him shoulder first into the post. Uh, on the floor, Hardy comes back with a twist of fate onto the steps. Oh, my God. Back inside, though, he misses a swanton. Strickland hits the house call. One, two. Jeff Hardy kicks out. Strickland's like, right. Takes the piss with a bit with a mocking of a twist of fate. Hardy gets some pinfalls off the back of that. Three jawbreakers, staggers, swerve. Um, but he lures. Is that the right word? It is, but I just... Oh, I had this one. We had a any pronunciation, any pronunciation you like? Lure. Laws. You can say laws, laws. You can say laws if you want. You can have a syllable. Jeff. He tricks Luaz. He brings him in, hits a rolling flatliner, delayed suplex, and hits the swerve stomp for the one, two, three. You know what? Um, what band is Robert Smith the lead singer of? The Cure. <laughs> the Cure. 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 Um, this was really fun. Yeah. Um, again, crowds go a long way to help. Jeff Hardy. I, I, I'm gonna sort of load up his Instagram here, but uh, Jeff Hardy has a real headed dimension, working like sort of this quasi heel thing. We've seen that out of Matt Hardy for years, dating all the way back to like. Uh, 2002 is version one. He's had a lot of goals here. Jeff Hardy is a heel in TNA. Basically just like screamed and had like darker face paint and hair. He had some music as well, if I remember rightly. Maddest to the top. Actually, like he got rid of that when he was a heel. That was one of the heelish, most heelish things he could have done. Wet. It was some other nonsense by Perox. He caved uh, Mr. Kennedy's head in, didn't yeah, he? that was really I vicious. Give out, I give out concussions there for free, man. Check <laughs> it out. I'm spooky. Go. <laughs> Concussion store. I've been buying there for myself for 20 goddamn years. I'm gonna draw the new title, man. It's gonna look like a piece of <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's pretty heelish, I'll give you that. That looks awful. I've been checking out all these tattoos on people's back. I wanna <laughs> put one of them on a bell. What if I made it purple like it was in the flipping judgment day, <laughs> man? Hey, Madge, you can make yourself a belt, but it doesn't make you world champion. They don't like you as much as me. I don't think you're okay with that. Sure about that hairdo there, man? That's going to be okay. <laughs> when Vince wants a hearty, I'm the one he calls. Uh, it's great, <laughs> It was a good match. I like this thing Swerve's doing where um, people are kicking out from one of his finishers. There's like a Gunther adjacent. Yeah. Well, I've got this. So how about you go after? What is his finisher though? That's what I was asking on social media. <laughs> We've got four. So which one's the finisher? <laughs> like this, this is good. This is good. So he's got a load of ways to beat. Yeah, it could well be. It's going to be fantastic when he gets a title match because there's a bunch of like really captivating near falls you're going to yeah. get out of Swerve. It wasn't. Um, it was a Jeff Hardy night though. That's the thing. Like I've I've got nothing bad to say about Swerve, but it was just as hard as evening. Yeah. Yeah. Much like last year's Royal Rumble. <laughs> Renee Paquette's backstage with uh, Hankman Adam Page congratulating him on his victories. 3-0 in 2024 already. Again, the rankings sort of mm-hmm. sneaking back in. Uh, has to be near the top of the rankings when they're released, she says. Uh, Swerve comes in and says, I'm undefeated in 2024 as well. Who's the, who's the last person to beat Hangman Page? Page just yelled, New Year, New Me, dumbass! Which I thought was quite a good comeback. It's superb. Love this. They've still got this electricity between them. Uh, I... I I love this. I kind of love it so much. I wish they weren't rushing back to it. Yeah. Like, Swerve and Hangman, this is a thing now. Like, they've got to fight forever. There's this, like, that chemistry between them where they can, I'd like, oh, God damn, one day they're going to tag. Uh, like, they're going to have to, like, shake hands. Oh, that's the best bit. That's the best yeah. bit. Um, but I, this is how you use rankings. We've talked about this, haven't we? Like, weren't you on Hangman Page's cage match? You'd be like, should he be getting a title? I said this, yeah. So you're going and checking the facts. And as we talked about, both of them have got valid arguments for why the other one 
why, why each one should have the spot over the other. Yeah. And now next week we're doing what dealer's choice. Yeah, the Renee said he goes to storm off after um, after saying he's going to knock Strickland down the rankings. And uh, Renee says, well, wait a second. Next week it's dealer's choice. You'll pick each other's matches for Dynamite. That's going to be a load of fun. Good stuff for the preview, that. Yes. If, if, only, if only we had um, like a method of picking mystery opponents... The taste. Thunder Rosa was our next um, against Red Velvet. Um, this was kind of ruined by the fact there was an ad break in the middle of it, if I'm perfectly yeah, honest. Yeah, to bits, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, they went to break after Velvet sent Rosa face first in the corner and swept her legs out. When we come back, um, Velvet's in trouble. She fights back. Casadora into a double stomp, running double knees in the ropes. She tries for a springboard bu- uh, springing bulldog. Rosa avoids it, though. Takes too long trying to hit the Tijuana bomb. That allows Velvet to backdrop out of it, but then Rosa just rolls through. Shotgun drop kick. Tijuana bomb for the one, two, three. Post-match, she looked into the camera, and I think she forgot Julia Hart's name. Because <laughs> she said, when is my time, Tony Storm? Or, oh, God. And then they just went, oh, look, the Savannah Bananas are here. Yeah. Um, look... The match was cut to ribbons by the commercials. Um, the strikes on Red Velvet, I thought, were worth noting. Yeah, like I've like I've seen clear improvement. I think in the um, connection of Red Velvet strikes, it's still really nice to have Thunder Rosa back. I like that she's calling out the champions again. Yeah. I like the rankings already help because what did this match exist for? Because Thunder Rosa wants to win the title back or at least get a shot at it, and it's Julia Hart. If you wondered, um, so you've got to win matches to get the shots. And go out and win them. Like, everything is suddenly a fixture again where there might not be points, but there's places in those rankings on the line. It's all better for it. Like, I don't, match was nothing right home about, let's be honest. Yeah. But, like, what we know now is that... And it's easy at tracking your head. Mentally, it's easy. Like, what's Thunder Rosa up to? Well, she yeah. beat Red Velvet last week. She won in a collision return. So she's on a roll. And now, if, she, if and when she gets defeated, it's going to matter more. And when people say, like, well... She can't call out Tony Storm because then that gives away the result. No, it doesn't. No. I mean, she's got an eye on who's got the title. That's and that's what everybody in wrestling is supposed to go to work for. Yes. And it's worth remembering that sometimes. Just a quick one on the uh, Savannah Bananas. I love that that doesn't work in our accent. Like, because yeah. they'd have to be the Savannah Bananas. Bananas. Like uh, British wrestlers. Oh, you watching Savannah Banana? <laughs> I've always wanted to work for Vince McMahon. Yeah. Or like any English guy who's like, if a. Like, the, and we're interviewing WWE crowds outside um, the Manchester Evening's Arena. Who's your favourite? Uh, um, I like Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. I'm going to open up a can of whoop ass. <laughs> <laughs> WWE, go back to America. We'll watch you there. I'll get up at one in the morning. I end up going to be a goddamn crybaby about a 4 a.m. people. Oh, i got to watch one show that's on Auss- Aussie time. Wait a minute. Why do you think I am? A goddamn kangaroo? It's not on the channel it's always on at the exact time it's on. Is it even on at all? Right, let's move on because... We didn't cut that from Dynamite. That's what we should have got next. <laughs> Sting and Darby Allen are out there confirming they're going to be challenging for the tag titles before Sting retires forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's funny you say that. So, I'll start at the beginning. I've kind of messed this up because... You're bothered by this, aren't you? I am. We've, we've, we've done... This is the third, third thing we've done on the camera today, and I think it's come up in all three, and one of them was a Royal Rumble yeah. preview. 
So Darby Allen says, you know, I want to put over Sting, the impact he's had on my career. He influenced before he even came to AEW. I saw his career almost cut short. And I thought, well, what if that happened to me? And that's presumably what a fueled is, just sort of living every match as it's his, it's his I was going to say, yeah, explain that one again. Oh, I best not get in my, that situation. Yeah. And then he obviously heard Sting was coming to AEW, so he flew to Texas. Uh, he trained with Sting in his home, and they, after they had barely been training for 10 minutes or whatever, he said, Sting, hey, you've still got it. And then we see the arseholes backstage with their headsets on. I don't know why we needed that here. I know. Could, could they see themselves? Of all the people, the well, young bucks close to us now. Yeah, right. But oh, okay, right. Yes, yeah, so I was because normally when the young bucks is Brandon Cutler, right? Yeah. But now they've taken over production. They're putting a camera on them, but they're looking at the screens, and obviously you can see all that. Like, are they producing the backs of their own heads in that moment? Maybe. Like I said, I, it does factor in mm. to if they're string pulling, because you normally would assume. I mean. Literally, you've referenced it earlier on with Orange Cassidy. If someone says, I want to fight for your title, you go, okay, cool. Well, the pay-per-view's in five weeks. See you then. Yeah. So is that to factor in them string pulling to go, do it in two weeks? Do it in two weeks, so then the title's already... Uh, that's just Whatever happens, we think they're going to win the tag titles. That's settled. So the pay-per-view, the last ever match, that's ours. Is that what that was to, to cover Possibly. Off, There's a funny bit to get out of that, isn't there? You know, when like on, um, and we had it with the main event of this Dynamite, when the graphic flashed up on Collision, and you're like, excuse me, that? Yeah. It'd be really funny if the Young Bucks just fancied booking something to hide the graphic up. Yeah. And, like, the wrestling question was on commentary. What the f*** is that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Alan say, says he, he and Steve are undefeated 27-0. and 0. And with the rankings back, they're going to challenge Starks and big wheel for the tag titles. Um, says to Sting once again, you've still got it. Do you want to end your career as tag team champions? Sting soaks in the complete lack of reaction and says, I'm all in. And everyone went, okay. Good. Shake, shake the Sting's hand and say, all the best. Golf clap. Yeah. Really weird. What is this? I don't know. Like, again, this is one of them situations where often, like I try not to neg crowds. It's up to the wrestling show to entertain the yeah, crowd, yeah, the crowd yeah, to make yeah. the noise and give it back and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes crowds are just going to like what they like. And on yeah. this night, well, apparently on this night, they watched um, that controversial TNA pay-per-view and thought it was Sting's fault rather than Jeff Hardy's. <laughs> right, uh, we'll go with him. Starks and Big Bill thanks Sting and Darby Allen after this. They're backstage. They, they respect to address them by name. AW World Tag Team Champions. Uh, they accept the challenge, says Big Bill. And Stark says it's fitting that Sting's first match in AEW was against him in a tag match. Uh, and he's not going to make it to Revolution. Yeah. And then it was announced later. Yeah. I like, I like this. I do like this. Um, speaking of title matches, though, the AEW Trio's titles are on the line. Rankings are back, which is why Mogul Embassy, you've just lost a title, automatically get a title. I'm joking. I'm just playing a game. Come on. Uh, the <laughs> acclaimed Daddy Ass versus uh, Brian Cage, Tony Leona, and Bishop Khan, Prince Nana was there, of course. And it started with the whole Bang Bang Scissor gang because um, out came... Um, what a bing bing gang to start with. I think so they left. cool, aren't they? Like, we don't think I've had a chance to talk about this, but the new theme kicks in. Yeah. The entrance is great. I, I, I think I like this super group because I'm such a bing bing gang guy. It's not the people you'd normally think that's the reason why I like this group. Oh, they're really cool. Um, <laughs> I'm sort of swooning for them when they come out now. So early on, uh, Bowens, who's awesome, gets isolated. Uh, he charged off the apron at Cage, but uh, Leona pounced him to the floor to take his picture in picture. When we come back, Bowens is still in trouble. He makes his comeback with a blockbuster on cage, finally fights free, he keeps trying to get to the corner and he may keep getting like yanked off the apron and what have you. Um, but Billy Gunn makes the hot tag, he runs wild with punches. He tries for a fame on cage, but Toa Leona cuts him off. Bowens comes in, hits cage with an F, 
Oh, sorry, he gets hit with a cage F5. That would be quite the achievement. <laughs> um, loads of big moves. Everyone hits big moves. Bishop Khan hits a pedigree on uh, on Billy Gunn for a two count. Prince Nana throws a chair in the ring. Aubrey gets distracted by Bishop Khan. Nana takes the ref, and it looks like he's going to just... Bishop Khan's going to twat one under the chair. But here's Switchblade Joe Watt uh, to take the chair away. Um... Billy Gunn hit the one and only on Khan. Nana gets carried off by Austin and Colton Gunn and power bombs through a ringside table. Joe Watt's watching on stage um, and Cage gets hit with a Bowen's leg drop, a fame asser, the arrival, the mic drop. One, two, three on uh, on Khan. And uh, yeah, they retain the trios titles. I mean, there was absolutely no tension around them losing the trios belts, but this established what it needed to about yeah. showing that the, uh, the Bing Bing Ging are going to be... Uh, as involved in this stable as the Acclaim. They're going to help just as much as the Acclaimed would if the shoe was on the other foot. Uh, this is not isolated to this specific match, but a lot of Acclaimed trios matches, and indeed a lot of what the Acclaimed have been doing for the last year or so. I just... I don't like anymore the matches that are agented around. A, like Billy Gunn being the hot tag difference maker, and somehow being the sympathetic, oh, no, we've got to do everything we can to save him. It's a bit like Triple H booking himself and saying, ah, oh, this is a nightmare, right? Because not only am I the hardest, the toughest, and the best winning record, I'm also the most handsome. Like, oh, I, I, like it's as well. I'm the funniest. It's, it's quite a burden to have all of these attributes at the same time. And then he, he dare to say, all of these attributes are weighing me down. Maybe that's how I'll lose. I'll really buy your opponent. Like, you, and if, you, if I do, do lose, I go, eh, that's fine. Your banana nose circus. Quote Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Like, Billy Gunn is that. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. He's this massive monster. I'm the biggest one, so I can be the the guy that can cut any monster on the other team off at the pass. But I'm also, I'm old, I'm cold. And I can be sympathetic (laughs) as well. And I just, like, what are you? And for that matter, why are you? I'd rather watch Caster and Bowens get some of those moments. He gets an awful lot of shine. Yeah. Too much, I think. But, uh, aye. Great start for the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. Yes. I'm, I'm sticking with it. Was it that? I do now. It's like me trying to do the bloody... <laughs> What's the answer? <laughs> the Bang Bang f***ing Gang. Um, before we get to the main event, there was a nice vignette. Serena Deeb's going to be back on Collision. Yeah, yeah. That bloody time. Can't wait. Um, I much miss this women's division, man. Honestly, like, it's maybe going to start cooking soon. Yeah. That's about as much as I'm willing to give it. But the roster looks stacked. They're telling one of the best stories in the company, and it's in that division. I uh, haven't felt as optimistic since the rise of Britt Baker. Got some good feeling. Do a joke regularly where I'm like... Where is, hang on, which, where is it, other way, that way, where is, it's a great joke, Mercedes, money, oh god, this is on YouTube, oh, oh bollocks, ah, all right, okay, that's uh, the uh, the Fed are nothing compared to the Feds of New yeah. Japan, <laughs> but I, uh, I was, the one, the one thing I was thinking was, well, don't debut on this show, oh god, Mercedes money's here, yeah, I'll be as big a damp squib as a New Japan debut. Right, maybe about time. On, Everything Ad- else was good. Adam Copeland versus Minoru Suzuki. Mm. And they didn't cut off Kazanina Ray this time, so... Yeah, like, good. 
Here, right. Or- always, always a thing when you're like you're in the main event with him. You think <laughs> Adam Wilborn, first-hand experience, right? Surely all the best wrestling companies cut off cars on Unirail, mm. right? Apparently, that's what I've heard. <laughs> um, yeah, they just started twatting each other. Copeland crumbles, so he goes. How about we change that to chops, eh? Yeah. Um, Suzuki eventually suckers Adam Copeland into the ropes for an arm breaker, but Copeland fights free, hits a big boot, goes for his spear. Suzuki sidesteps into a guillotine onto the floor. Um, Copeland charges, and they both go through a barricade into the crowd and just break the 10 count, because I was, I was ready to be like, right, here we go. And the match rolls on, and I remember, oh, no, it's no interruptions. Yep. It was really, uh, really yeah. benefited from mm-hmm. that. They just break the count. Uh, Suzuki's loving this. He's a big smile on his face. They both get up and they start hitting forearms with each other. Um, Suzuki switches to slaps. They both connect at the same time and collapse. Suzuki gets up, um, tries for an arm bar after some open hand strikes, but uh, Copeland spins out of it into an impaler DDT. Um, crowd of, uh, supporting both sides is dueling chance as Copeland wants a spear but runs straight into a Fujiwara armbar. He makes it to the ropes. Suzuki wants a rear naked choke, but Copeland shakes him off and hits a spear for a two count. Copeland like can't believe it and then you see Suzuki rising up <laughs> behind him. Uh, grabs him for the rear naked choke. It looks like he might have him. They do the one arm drop, but that's the moment Copeland realizes I've got to get out of this. Uh, so Copeland runs into the turnbuckle, ducks, Suzuki gets sent face first into it, and uh, Copeland hits the kill switch for the one, two, three. Christian Cage was shown watching backstage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wasn't backstage, though, was it? No. It's from about, was it all out, all in? I think so. Yeah. All in. I saw people pointing that out. Wait a minute. Seen this <laughs> I know this footage. <laughs> yeah. Um, but post-match, Copeland gets the mic and says, I've never been hit that hard before in my life. Offered his hand to Suzuki, who just growled at him and walked off. And even then, Copeland was like, yeah, I would have been kind of disappointed if he shook my hand. But this is a war. This was a war. Uh, the kind that Christian Cage knows nothing about. I'm still coming for you, Christian Cage. Lovely. This, a lovely bit of business. I think that they, it was the right move to have the Minora-Suzuki match with Adam Copeland rather than the Adam Copeland match with Minoru Suzuki. Minoru, yes, Minoru yes. Suzuki cannot put his hands through his head and, sh- and shout <laughs> spear. Just run it along. Yeah, there. and go to that place because he was born in that place. Yes. And he's owned that place long before Edge even took a holiday to that place. So they did this the right way around. They forced Edge, uh, so Adam Copeland, excuse me, to uh, prove that he wanted everything Minoru was going to offer, which, of course, led to the, like, the strikes. The, the forearms were really, really fun. You know, like, yeah, it's just good seeing a wrestler get in the muck when it's not something you associate yeah. him with. I, uh, I wouldn't say that this was kind of like the best thing Minoru Suzuki's done on AEW no. television. Uh, it didn't quite match Copeland's match with Christian Cage, but it was, again, very elegant. I love watching Copeland be the kind of the ring general that we know him to be. It's what you get a lot of the time out of the Christian matches as well. They're so alike in so many ways. They just know what to do and yeah. when. They maximise it all, and it's just really lovely to see. Um, so I wouldn't say this, like, they advertise, for example, Daniel Bryan, uh, Brian Dennison, excuse me, versus Eugene Nagata, right? That is very much more the electrifying, how the frig is this happening, yeah. than this match ended up being. But it was lovely all the same. The uh, Cope, I'm, I'm going to call it the uh, Copeland Challenge because I think it rolls off tongue nicer. It gives Tony Schiavone a bit <laughs> of a break for say, how yeah. wrong he gets every week. But 
I think like they couldn't have timed this any better with the rankings coming back because he wants to do this to do this to prove himself and have all these matches. But the purpose of getting back to Christian Cage and Christian having kind of nothing he can do about it as a champion at some point or another, he's going to have Adam Copeland knocking on his door again, yeah. and he cannot escape that. Like a really nice bit of booking as well. Uh, not doing cartwheels. Consider my reactions as polite as those in attendance, but a really, really good and fun main event of this. Yeah, dynamite. nice ending to the show. Aye, like just, just nice. Just it, it, AW's fine. It's not quite yet fire. Mm, that's fair. Well, let us know your thoughts on AEW Dynamite, either in the comments section below or on X at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Send your well wishes to Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Uh, you can follow our brilliant producer, Adam Nicholas, at It's Adam Nicholas. And as I said, follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, we'll be back tomorrow to preview AEW Collision. But for now, it's been the Dynamite Review, maybe. Uh, it's been the Dynamite Review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.